Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Rushdick. And this is The Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week we're talking about our required reading list, the video game required reading list. We are coming so close to the end. This will be the penultimate episode of the series. We're so happy that people have been following it. Uh, that means second to last. Year. Penultimate, second to last, yeah. Yeah, I was just making it for the people at home. You have that low of an opinion of, of our listeners? I mean, maybe there's a little boy listening in. This is his favorite show in the world, and he's Only six years old. The smartest dorks listen to our show. Didn't know what penultimate meant. <laughs> Should we... Can we talk... Before we get into this, can I talk yeah. about something that I did this weekend? So... Yes. It's Sunday <laughs> night. <laughs> Thank you for your permission. It's Sunday <laughs> night. And I'm like, I... I need a movie to watch. Oh, boy. And I, I, I do the annoying How thing. How sad do. can Chris Plant be on a Sunday? Uh, no, night? I try. So I try not to do that. Oh, okay. I go, I did open the Criterion Collection. Yeah. I did, so, so I did, you're right. I hear you. But I open it and I'm like, you know what? I want to watch some Toshiro Mifune. Who, okay. Do you know who that is? Have, I've have heard the name, like but. Rashomon. Oh, like, sure, yes. You know, Seven Samurai. Anytime you see like, Somebody kick ass in a yeah. Kira Kurosawa movie. It's Toshiro Mifune. Well, that's and not how I remember it. Y- y- what do you remember? That was a Rashomon joke. Oh goddamn! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a movie that I had never heard of, starring him called Redbeard, and the like. The photo of it is him with a beard beating the living shit out of someone, and it's three hours long. And I'm like. Yes, this is how did this exist and how did I not know about it? You know, I've I've consumed all of these. I proceed to watch this movie. It's about him as a very old doctor working effectively at like a like local um, like government clinic to help really, really impoverished sick people like come to terms with death. Three hours. Do you know that that, that scene of him fighting people? That is I shit you not, 30 seconds of the movie. It is the only time, like, violence happens. Well, So you're you know. saying, it's like if Patch Adams, like, did a haymaker at one point in the movie, but the rest of the movie is just Patch Adams. It's like if, well, Patch Adams is a perfect example because Patch Adams are like, Robin Williams, ha, funny, look at the clown, here he is with the red nose, and then, like, it's children dying. Yeah. It's exactly like Patch Adams. I, it was the Patch Adams of the Criterion Collection. It was. It was. So to be clear, the movie was great. I really loved it. But starting off like starting your week or ending your week or whatever you call that kind of like nowhere time of a late Saturday or a Sunday night with three hours of just really sad stuff and your favorite guy who like kicks people's ass just being like the really downtrodden grandpa. It's like you tripped and fell into it. Chris Plant, it's 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 almost like you're uh, pretending like you had no control over the situation. I mean, I I didn't. At every turn, you could have made a different decision. <laughs> you put, I could have put on an actual else? an actual action movie or an actual comedy or an actual anything that would bring you joy instead of sadness, and instead you sat for three hours. And <laughs> let me just say, I can't remember the last time I've watched a movie for three hours outside of like being in a theater and watching Oppenheimer. So you really made a decision with your time. I will say. Yeah. When he does kick ass in this movie, he goes for broke. I mean, it's like 12 people. For 30 seconds, he goes up against 12 people and he breaks all of their arms so bad they're like coming out of their shoulder. Well, I'll just watch that on TikTok and be very happy. Damn it. Should have done that. about video games. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's just a commercial break. <laughs> okay, we're back. Rusty's required reading, penultimate episode. That means second to last. Our goal, if you're brand new to this, is to collect a list of 25 games from Pac-Man to modern day. That is 1980 to 2020. 30, really 31 year span. These are not the best games. They're not even necessarily our favorite. 
And this is definitely not one of those like huge top 100 games of all time sort of list. You can find like a trillion of if you just Google it, you can go on TikTok. I'm sure you find one the second you look up games. These are the games that we feel everybody should have played if they want to have a fundamental appreciation of video games, where they are today, where they've come from. They will give you a richer connection with the stuff that you play now, we think. And this is where I normally say, like, think of it like a playable syllabus for Video Games 101. And then you say... Think of it like you're on a rocket ship and a uh-huh. black hole opens up and you travel through time and not one of those sad black holes where Matthew McConaughey is like crying about his daughter. One of those like really fun black holes. Like it's a like reverse that. Redbeard, a reverse Patch Adams. Yes. You are going into this thinking, this is homework. And then you get on board and you realize you are in for the right of your life. There's only 30 seconds of sad, boring and actually three hours of kick ass. In yes, my version. that is what you're going to get here. You are going to learn so much about awesome video games and you're going to go out and try them and it's going to be exciting. And I will say right now, this is definitely one of those. The journey is just as important uh, as the destination because we're going to talk about so many games. We're going to miss so many games. We are condensing 30 years of video games to 25 titles. Um, so whatever we miss, that's what the the newsletter is for you can go to besties.fan you can uh, subscribe and you can share some of your favorites kindly even as recommendations in the comment section so that other people can enjoy them too sound good that's so cool i love it yeah that sounds great so we are going to get into it the two uh periods that we have left is 1980 to 1984 and 1990 to 1994 we're going to do 90 to 94 today. Yes. And then we're going to save 80 to 84 for next episode, the final episode. And because that's some like really old, difficult games to like parse through, we're also I mean, Chris that. Plant was not even a twinkle in someone's eye when 80 to 84 happened. So was I? No, no, you're right. You, no, you weren't. How old were you? I, well, <laughs> no, I, I, I was trying to figure out if I was a twinkle yet. Yeah, not even a twinkle. But I was about to become a twinkle. Almost. Almost I was m- mere weeks from twinkle status. Yeah. Um, this is actually kind of gross when I think of that as a euphemism. <laughs> um, <laughs> 1990 to 94 is what we're going to be talking about. It is an absolutely incredible set of video games. How do you feel about talking through it? Because I feel like I'm actually going to struggle with I'm going to struggle, too, because even though we are about to talk about some of the greatest games ever made and some of my favorite games ever made, I actually think it's quite a number of games that aren't the sort of games that we are looking for when we talk about the required reading list, uh, which we'll kind of discuss in a little bit. But I think it's a lot of examples, not all of them, but there are a lot of examples in here that are extremely refinements on the original concept but not like breaking new ground or not like the origins of an idea. I look at this period as the um, the organisms are coming out of the ocean and they're about to become uh, the creatures on land, right? But right now, a lot of them are kind of like this weird primordial goop that's like sprouting legs. I just so- kind of pictured Echo the Dolphin with feet. Oh, definitely, because Echo the Dolphin is actually going to definitely be on this list. <laughs> Number one with a bullet. Um, so should we dig into it? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So we brought 15 games because we narrow these down ahead of time. And uh, I think we'll just go in chronological order, mm-hmm. uh, kind of picking through it and starting with a real barn burner. Yeah. Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo system. Never heard system. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Mario, but it's Super this time. Oh, Um, yeah. So this game came out. It was basically the launch game for the Super Nintendo, among a couple other titles. Um, And it is what I was just talking about. Um, I think it is probably my favorite of the 2D Mario games ever made. I think like structurally, it is the absolute like peak of that form. And... At the same time, it's so clear to see the uh, sort of steps that were taken to go from, uh, I'm going to skip Doki Doki Panic slash Mario 2, 
uh, to go from the previous Mario games of like one and three and be like, okay, here's how we're going to expand it. And honestly, like I was reading about the development, they started out really just like focusing on the visuals and they're like, they had this freedom. They could like add all these colors, which they couldn't do on the NES. They could have way more stuff going on. They could have scrolling levels in a ways that they couldn't do it on the NES. And in a lot of cases, like, they just were able to try a lot more and throw a lot more at the wall. Um, one thing that they tried a lot more was introducing a little green fellow. What's his name? A little Yoshi, the, the one who a wasn't little, in the movie. A little baby Yoshi, which we'll, we'll touch on. Uh, we'll touch on uh, plants note uh, later. But Yoshi apparently was a dream of Miyamoto's. Miyamoto desperately wanted Mario to ride a dinosaur for many years, and they technologically could not pull <laughs> it off until this game. Uh, I was reading a little bit of research. The um, Apparently, the there was a dragon that he designed in 1984 for a game called Devil World, which I've never played, that has like a lot of striking similarities with Yoshi. Uh, but he was finally able to introduce Yoshi as a rideable critter in uh, Super Mario World. It was him and nine other people that made one of the best 2D platforming games ever made and a launch console game. Can you imagine that? Like, basically, well, the banner game of the Super Nintendo was made by 10 people. That's, I mean, that's going to be so much of what we talk about. Too. I know, like, it's just shocking. I, I'm going to talk about different... Final Fantasy VI a little bit, and it's like, Oh, it was a new director, and they made it in a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, and, and then the guy went on and made Final Fantasy VII afterwards. And you it's know, not even... Not? What's what's also weird is that it's not even like... You know, because obviously indie games exist and smaller teams exist, but imagine an indie game today coming out in a year and a half or two years or whatever. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, it takes, you know, I would say three years to put a decent-sized project out, at least. And so it was just like a completely different time. And with tools that were not nearly as helpful to work with back yeah. then than they are now. Let me ask you, I know you were a Sega kid, but did you play yes. Mario World back oh, then? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, Sega was my main thing, but my aunt bought a Super Nintendo. Yeah. And it was one of those things where she would just kind of leave it at the house for long periods of time, like an yeah. entire month. Um. So I, 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 I had a Super Nintendo around long enough to talk about like Earthbound, which we'll get sure. to later. Yeah. Um, but not so much that I really dug into all of the RPGs because it was like, well, I never kind of know when it's going to disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Super Mario World, I I agree. And I think it's kind of a perfect example as we kind of work through this exercise of it is a favorite. It is maybe the best. It is not what we're looking for. Yeah. In terms of like this very specific list. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's right. Um, uh, next up, Street Fighter 2. This is not the thing that you were talking about. You're right. That's <laughs> true. Despite the name, it is not, uh, it is something very different. Yeah. Street Fighter 1 is a thing that barely anybody remembers. Almost certainly, I, I, would, I would bet 99% of the people who are listening to this have not played Street Fighter 1. I don't think I've played it. Um, it's miserable. I mean, it, it, I've played it as a ROM. You know, it's like one of those like kind of novelties. I think I actually saw an arcade cabinet once, but it's 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 a nothing burger. Um, but this is the game for me that creates competitive video gaming. Like we, you can branch it out in a trillion different ways. But Street Fighter Two for people who are new to this. One v one fighting game, two D. I mean, there was Pong. Art. Let's let's not forget Pong. There, that was true. There was Pong. Well, actually, there was tennis for two before Pong. And, and the um, S, it was space game. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it it is hard to conceptualize how big this game was. I think we take it for granted because Street Fighter is just around and mm -hmm. it's always doing well, but. This game wins basically the the vast majority of Game of the Year awards when it comes out. Um, it makes a gajillion dollars. Um, it makes like in the billions uh, off of what's called coin drop revenue, which is like 
the money that you're making in, in arcades. It basically is only behind, um, I believe, Pac-Man and Space Invaders. And both of those games are from the kind of golden age of arcades, which is, you know, like a decade before this. Um, of this kind of new arcade renaissance, it is, I mean, unparalleled. And people have been returning to it forever. I think I counted nine versions of of Street Fighter 2. And I'm not saying like nine SKUs, a SKU being like you can buy the same game but on different platforms. I mean like Ultra Street Fighter 2. Um, Tournament like, edition. Yeah, and, yeah, whatever. Some slight change or innovation to it. Um, and the most recent one being on the Nintendo Switch. People are still making new versions, quote, new versions of Street Fighter 2. Um, and yeah, the reason that it's credited for being so important to competitive gaming is it effectively creates the combo mechanic. Um, and that combined with people playing together at an arcade with just some killer visuals um, yeah. and reactions like when you, you know, being able to unleash these like fancy powers and then actually kind of juggle people into a hit, not quite juggling yet. That's later stuff um, that I think with another game we're going to talk about later in doom is kind of the one, two punch that really gets competitive gaming off the ground, whether that is in arcades or in land parties or eventually, you know, in people's homes. Um, it's incredible. I mean, I, I, I it, it's kind of a hard game to talk about beyond that because it's what it would create is effectively the fighting genre. Again, these things existed before this, but just not in this capacity really whatsoever. Yeah. No, it's it is definitely formative and definitely a good contender uh, for this list, unquestionably. Yeah, it's also a game that if you haven't played it, like the original Street Fighter Two, you really should, especially if you're a person who doesn't play competitive fighting games. Um, it's not flashy and fun and like quite as immediate pickup and play, but the combos that are available to you in this are so simple and limited that i find it to be kind of like a a good way of seeing what you're supposed to get about fighting games yeah understanding like the kind of core meta game of it um without like all the distractions that come with other games weirdly i think the new street fighter 6 also does this quite well yeah um, with the new control scheme yeah i think i think that's great but i obviously that the street fighter 2 a little bit more important um yeah, I, I, I mean, do you have any other any other thoughts on it? I mean, I, you know, I played a decent amount, but not like a ton. I'm not like a huge, huge fighting game fan, but I do agree that like it defined an entire generation and its effects still are felt today. So it's yeah. hard to imagine it not making the cut, but I guess we'll see. Next up, we have Link to the Past. And I know that we often, the show gets criticism of being like Zelda pilled. And sometimes I'm I disagree with it, and then we do this exercise, and I feel like I want to put every Zelda game on this list, and I start to realize. Have you played through Link to the Past, like all of it? No, remember I I hadn't played through it, and we had talked about it when we did that like Zelda run through, right? The and I played through about half of it and loved it, and then yeah, there's just so Um, many video games. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a march again through some of the Zelda titles and it is staggering how good they are still like the original and and certainly this one. Um, This is probably my favorite 2D of uh, of the Zelda games, probably my favorite 2D one. And um, it once again, I mean, it's interesting because the original Zelda was like so open-ended and so free and like wide open and guideless. Like, like you'd get like hints from people that you'd talk to as you were going into a cave or whatever it was. But broadly speaking, like you just had to try a lot of shit. I think that's not as true here. I think they are smarter in terms of guiding the player to be like, Oh, that you might want to cut this tree down or you might want to bomb this wall. But broadly speaking, it's still like, an enormous game that you have a lot of room to like explore in even early on before you get any upgrades or items. Um, but it is music. like the music is, just Oh, and the music is stellar, but it is like a, a huge improvement visually in terms of the gameplay, in terms of everything over the original Zelda and Zelda two, which we're not really going to talk about because it kind of sucked. But um, so I love it. And it, 
it's super duper up there. Is it enough? I'm not sure, but it's definitely worth a consideration. Um, so something I didn't know is the game was originally designed for NES. They started developing it in 88, which was a year after Zelda 2 came out, and they worked on it as an NES game. And it's kind of like what happens with Zelda games these days, too, where yeah. they'll be working for working on a game for like the previous generation, and then it'll get so close to the next generation, they'll be like, no, 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 let's hold this off until this next generation. That's what they did here. And obviously, it uh, paid off. Um, trivia question plant. Yes. Do you know how large, in terms of storage, most SNES games are? I mean, it's it, it's like hard to say, right? Because SNES, they just kept strapping other tech onto the cartridges. Is that but right? But there was like a standard, especially oh, a standard. at launch, I, a I'm standard guess size. Like ultra small, like what, like a meg? The standard size was 512 kilobytes of storage. Amazing. Link to the, the past, they... For, for, for context... Yeah, an, an image. If you like pulled an image off a website right now, it would be anywhere between like that size and like three megabytes, so six times that size. Y- yes, exactly right. Your phone is taking like three meg uh, photos, basically, and and yeah. this is like an entire game in five twelve. Now, Link to the Past, a full megabyte of space. They they got Nintendo to to foot Did the it. bill for a bigger cart. This is why video game cartridges cost more money. At yeah. that time, when you would, you would go to a store and be like, oh, this is like an $80 cartridge. What was going on there? And the, the, the actually making the game, the cartridge, cost money because people were adding on either extra memory or uh, chips to power the video games. Yeah. Um, uh, I have one more thing to share before we move on from this game. Uh, this is a quote from a 1989 discussion between Shigeru Miyamoto and Yuji Horii who oh is gosh. the uh, Dragon Quest guy, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they were just like having a back and forth interview. And Miyamoto was talking about, um, this is a quote from Miyamoto. Ever since I started making the, the first game in the series, I've been saying that the third Zelda will feature a party, one that consists of the protagonist, who's a mix between an elf and a fighter, that'd be Link, a magic user, and a girl. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> He actually says that the fairy that appeared in The Adventure of Link, which is the Game Boy 1, oh, I'm sorry, in Zelda 2, uh, the fairy that appeared in Zelda 2 was actually a party member that was designed for Zelda 3. So it's interesting to see how they cross over. But you know what? We still don't have a girl in the party in any Zelda games, and that's a huge drag, unless you count, I guess, the spinoffs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was I... a, translated, by the way, by Glitterberry, which oh. has like... This website has all sorts of amazing like translations throughout the years from various magazines, and this one was back in 1989. So very wow. cool. That rules. I um I think that part of the designing for old systems, you're spending less time worrying about how to even program or design for the new hardware that allows you to figure out the game itself and then worry about some of the tech things afterwards. I feel yeah. like you, we see this a lot with like, um grand theft auto 5 with you know being designed for the 360 which is still wild to think about or last of us um how they just feel so much better than whatever was coming out on the new system god of war 2 uh another game that just took full advantage of the power of the system it was on um okay i so i have sonic the hedgehog here (laughs) and i I don't know what to do about this. this I mean, you're is... such a Sonic stan. Let's let's be clear about that. Well, the weird thing is, I was. I, I was raised a, a true Sonic weirdo. And then, at some point in the last 10 years, I went back and played these games and discovered that they weren't good. And that was, like, a really hard thing to deal with. I, th- I would describe them as good. Well. And I wouldn't necessarily go beyond that. Well, here's my twist. Then I mm. went back and played them again with my son, who had yeah. no understanding of Sonic. Yeah. And his intention was never to just gotta go fast. It was to play it like a platformer. Yeah. And once I played with him, these I would say good towards great at times. As a there platformer? Some, uh, yeah, there are some like genuinely great mm, like the, platforming the levels. The casino levels are pretty good. Um, weirdly, I would just, I would say those are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> those are the ones where I get just absolutely <laughs> irritated. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, Sonic as a game is a really hard recommendation for this list. But I think Sonic as a cultural object 
may make a case. And here's here's why I think that's true. Mario, very recently, we've had like the Mario movie and, you know, Mario theme park stuff. But Nintendo otherwise has been actually very precious with Mario outside True. of the video games. Like, even if you go on Amazon and you try to find like Mario toys, there's not a lot of them that are legal right. um, or like officially licensed, I guess is the better way of putting it. Sonic, Sega went wild with it. You know, it it has had many cartoons. It's had comic books. Uh, all sorts of toys and merchandise. And I think that is how the game survived. Like, truly off of just how likable Sonic is as a character, despite him being, like, kind of the epitome of 90s, like, smug attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is, like, is what has kept the brand going, even alongside some pretty just mediocre games. The other thing that I think is really interesting about Sonic is it's effectively like not open source but as close as you can get with something this popular the amount of mods out there of people making their own sonic games is wild i mean if go on youtube and look up just random sonic mod games or whatever and you will find a bottomless pit of this stuff and uh, honestly a lot of it's better made than what is actually being put out officially yeah um, to the point where like they hire these people to make some of the stuff um and i think like that is interesting i think it's not a coincidence that sega would go on to be the producers of hatsune miku and like the idea of fan modable pop stars i think a lot of good ideas came out of sonic the hedgehog not intentionally. <laughs> yeah. And I and I, the reason I would say like if like none of that is necessarily tied to playing the game. And Correct. I think a big part of this list is figuring out which games you need to play to have a better understanding and I don't yeah, like you, don't you could look at a picture. At <laughs> you could look at a picture of Sonic and and pretty much be caught up to speed so to speak. <laughs> I think there's a so, great book to be written about Sonic or like documentary yeah. to be made about Sonic. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that often the conversation around Sonic is more interesting than the Sonic itself. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, jump to the next one, which is Super Mario Kart. This was the first Mario Kart game. It came out on the SNES. And the whole hook of this, the reason it exists is because they wanted to make a multiplayer game. <laughs> Uh, racing game specifically like a game a racing game that you could play where both racers were on screen at the same time um they had made f-zero which was a launch snes game but that was just single player only and it they were like it wasn't like mario at, at the beginning right yeah originally the design did not involve mario characters but uh, mario characters but after three months in um they decided like, oh, it would actually look kind of cool if you were like driving by and fucking Donkey Kong was there, <laughs> um, which true. They, they were right about that one. That's going to be um, the most dangerous Pokemon Go game. People are going to have their phones out so they can catch Donkey Kong driving past on the highway. Yeah, man. I don't have a lot of fun playing the original Mario Kart. I oh, can God, see no. the shades of the later ones, but I it's like so rudimentary. Like, I have way more fun playing F-Zero, to give you an idea, because it feels much faster and, like, more interesting. But I do understand why this was such a draw. I remember playing it originally when it came out. And, like, it was fun to, like, be racing against another player. But I, I don't think... It's more like a tech demo, right? It is like very... Yeah, it feels like a tech demo. Like, even from, a, like, a content standpoint, it was so bare bones. Yeah, when it's using... Is it using Mode 7? It's yeah, using it's Mode the 7. technology where you could kind of blend 2D with 3D to and create F -Zero the did the, Right, yeah. it's just... F-Zero did the same thing. Um, but F-Zero, because it was a full frame, it wasn't two, two people at once they could make the maps a lot more interesting looking. Whereas, because here you could have two players on separate parts of the map, they had to make the map super bare bones so that like both of them could render. So yeah. that's why it looks so basic. I feel like a moron that the reason it's Mario Kart is because the courses they are on just look like rudimentary, like, go-kart courses. And they're driving go-karts. No, I, I I know that. I know that. Like, obviously <laughs> that part, right? Like, I can picture that anytime I play the game. Yeah. But I had never considered that, like, oh, yes, 
you are actually driving on extremely boring go-kart. Uh, well, no, you're driving on normal human go-kart race-like courses. Obviously, later games in the series would be like, oh, shit, you're driving through a haunted mansion. Yeah, you're doing all this cool stuff, but here it's like, it, it's just a whole bunch of right angles. Yeah, it's it's like figure eights and shit. Yeah. It's very simple. Although there was, Rainbow Road was in this game. That's that was our first glimpse. So it did get a little interesting. But broadly speaking, yeah, it is not uh, a game that I like look back on super fondly, but I do understand I would say, like, there are other Mario Kart games that I think were more important to the format. I think N64's Mario Kart was probably the one that, like, yes. went further. But, yeah. To me, Mario Kart is, like, the nostalgia bait of video games. And I yeah. think its sales always speak to that. You know, everybody buys Mario Kart. They might buy Zelda and Mario Kart. They might buy Mario and Mario Kart. But everybody buys Mario Kart. Because um, it's it's so easy. I mean, it, it is the multi-quadrant or whatever awful Ugh. thing you want to describe it with, right? Everybody can enjoy it. Um, unfortunately, nobody can enjoy the original one that much. Okay, next up, Mortal Kombat, the rival of Street Fighter 2. Um, basically, just the shameless, hey, Street Fighter 2 is making a ton of money. I think this is going to become a genre. Nobody was saying that at the time. They're just saying, like, let's do more Street Fighter 2. Um, and how do we differentiate it? And there's two things that they do. They had a shit ton of blood, and they tried to make it look like real people, which is a really hell of a one-two punch. That you're going <laughs> When you add all of the blood and the ability to rip people's heads off, you're also like, let's take photographs of real <laughs> human bodies that we can rip apart. Um, you know, yeah, I wonder what it would have looked like if it was just like cartoony but super bloody. There are games like that, I guess, that clay, you can play. clay fighters, right? Clay, mm. Sure, yeah, I mean, those yeah. they would exist. Um, it, it if it uh, needs a reason to exist, is not because it's a good game, it's not. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1, not particularly fun. Mortal Kombat 2, significantly better. Yeah. Um, uh, but you could probably credit it with the uh, formation of the ESRB. Um, this game, and then like games that people don't hear about as often, like Night Trap, um, led to the hearings with Senator Joe Lieberman, um, which then led to the forming of the ESRB, which led to this coming out on console where the Sega Genesis had blood, but you had to enter a special code. The Super Nintendo didn't have red blood. I don't even think, did Super Nintendo even have fatalities? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. It did, okay. I don't think they just fell over. Yes, they still got really tired. <laughs> but they um, might have, like, trimmed some of them. Like, I don't know that Kano ripped a heart out necessarily. Yes. The, the other thing that this game uh, is responsible for, in some level, is an abundance of the Easter eggs. And this is really a Midway, the kind of publisher of Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam, which I'll talk about just in a second, was just very good about adding fun little surprises into their games, even when they broke tone. Um, a lot more of this would happen with Mortal Kombat 2, though, than Mortal Kombat 1. Again, like Mortal Kombat 1 really is a, to me, rush proof of concept um, that, hey, it worked. It turned out that just having realistic people getting their, their hearts ripped out and <laughs> bite out of was more than enough to let you compete with a far better game in Street Fighter 2. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I agree that, like, I think the moral panic impact was certainly the most noteworthy and continues to be the most noteworthy aspect of the first game. Yeah. And then the other one is NBA Jam, which is a perfect sibling for this and talk about a hell of a year for Midway. Yeah, um, man. Uses digitization too, though in a slightly different way than Mortal Kombat. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've always heard that one of the players who did digitization actually went on to be an NBA player. Because like, so, so there's a few different versions of NBA Jam. And I know the arcade version, you could like tell based on looking at the faces who the players were, but it wasn't like, I guess the bodies, you're saying the yeah, bodies were just... Yeah, they didn't digitize just... every player who was in the game. They right. digitized, like, a few basketball players to get the movements. I understand. I think... So it, it was more, more, almost like a motion capture thing. It wasn't, like, a full body scan. Kind of. Yes, yeah, probably somewhere between that and Prince of Persia. 
Yeah. Like you're like rotoscoping it, I would assume. Right, exactly. Um, it's 2v2 basketball. It is the launch pad for arcade sports games, which for a moment in time were the thing. You had NFL Blitz, Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey, NFL Street. Um, and it's kind of just faded away. I think a mix of leagues wanting to like leverage um, exclusivity with their license and making a lot more money off of saying only this publisher gets to make things. And I think also leagues being really careful around the depiction of violence or like not following the rules because it turns out that sports are incredibly dangerous dangerous if you don't do those things and can lead to like uh, traumatic brain injuries. Yeah, I mean, even before NBA Jam, there were like a couple games that like leaned into the violent aspects. Yeah. NBA Jam's pretty tame. Like you push people over, and that's basically the worst you can do to someone. Yes, had some. Well, and there was also like Mutant League football at the time, where you could like bust someone's spleen in half. Yeah, double dribble and and uh, Bill Lambeer shut up and ball or whatever. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> there was some, uh, some fun ones in there. Yeah, but NBA Jam. Let me just say as like a fun hangout game so fucking good i think part of the reason it doesn't necessarily have the legs is because it's so poorly balanced and so like uh hinky when it comes to like oh this team is just like will always be the best and there's some like things you can do to guarantee that people miss shots based on like what the clock is at and they coded that in for like certain teams too like i think that there were some pistons fans in the game or who made the game. So yeah, right. if, yeah, like if you played against the Bulls, the Bulls like always missed shots at the final second. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's some fun stuff in there. I, but all that said, like, man, so fun. So replayably fun. Like the perfect game. I think this was before like many players would sit around and play Mario Kart together because you needed like a multi-tap. This was the go-to for like, hey, I'm having people over. Let's play a multiplayer game um, was like, this and and uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat were really like the leaders of the pack. Yeah, also a testament to how good just the game was at this moment. Michael Jordan was the biggest thing in the world and was not in the video game. Um, yeah. He had a separate licensing agreement than the rest of the NBA. Um, Shaq, I don't think, was in the home versions. Maybe some other players weren't too. Yeah, I don't think so. And that just like was not an issue. You, you know, <laughs> you played the game because the game ruled. Yeah. Um, I think Bill Clinton was in it, though. So Bill Clinton and, and George Clinton. No, yeah. Two... <laughs> no <laughs> relation. <laughs> uh, George Clinton, the P-Funk. That's the best. Um, cool. These have been some good games. I do think we should take a break, get some water, come back, because we have some real biggies coming up. Okay, we're back. And it's Doomsday, baby. We've got to talk about Doom. We've got to talk about the violent shooter, the game that was my, I I picture like my dad playing on the family computer with my uncle over and then being like, just everybody gathered around. He couldn't even see the monitor. What the hell is this? These horrific noises coming out of the awful, awful speakers and barely running and then seeing a shotgun blowing demons in half. (laughs) In being immediately just stunned. I, I was definitely like a, a goody-goody kid. Like, always afraid that I would get in trouble. Endlessly afraid of, you know, a timeout or like being grounded. Yeah. Or, so, or hell. Was really, and also, yes, race Catholic. Um, <laughs> so it was deeply puzzling to see my father, who, uh, until he met my mother, was in seminary. <laughs> <laughs> um, playing Doom really threw me for a loop of what was okay. But, I mean, what is what is more holy than sticking a double-barreled <laughs> shotgun down the mouth of a demon? That's true. That <laughs> is actually quite true. Um, uh, I mean, it's Doom. It runs on everything. Did, were there, we just uh, talking about Doom and you were like, I don't know that it holds up, and then you played it again recently? No, I said, okay, we were talking about the Doom... What the myhouse.wad, the mod. right, and yeah. it is fantastic. I said, I believe I said, I'm sure somebody will correct me on this. The, the, the ultimate doom or ultra doom, the six, the mod of doom 64, where it makes it really, really crunchy, 
that's more enjoyable for me to play than to go back and play the original Doom. Oh, I'm not saying that Doom, the original Doom, was the very best Doom ever made. I'm just saying you could go back and play it and have a really good time. You could, yes. I just, I would kind of like Street Fighter 2. There are other versions even of Street Fighter 2 that I would prefer to play than Street Fighter 2. I'm not even talking about Street Fighter 3 or 4 or 5. I'm saying no, I understand. they remade it so many times that you yeah. can play kind of better versions of it. That said, yes, the original is still absolutely fantastic. Fucking um, amazing. So it's incredible. fucking good. Yes. Uh, I the mean, music is great. The like, The visuals are all very readable and understandable. I mean... It just, and it's fast. I mean, it wasn't back then because you could barely run it if you didn't have like a fucking super VGA, whatever. But you play it now and any computer can run it at 300 frames a second without even blinking. Your, your Apple Watch can. Yeah, um, and it's it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it is a um, Lennon and McCartney moment with Romero and Carmack, who are two of the designers on this. I think it's like a team of four or five. Um, just the right ideas being paired together by two people that would not, it's kind of amazing that they were ever a creative pair. Um, and you can read more about that in Masters of Doom, one of the few truly great, um, nonfiction books about video game development. Um, it, the game popularizes LAN multiplayer, which is being able to play over a local area network. So kind of proto- online play people bring their computers to one person's house and really seeing how far they can press the uh, the electric supply um it is modding which uh they were adamant about including and there is i know pushback on the team um but ultimately i think is like the thing that has kept this game alive for so long uh, obviously we just talked about my house dot wad um and then there were demo files which i don't feel like gets as much hype, but I think is just as important, which demo files... Do Did you know about demo files? I mean, yeah, like shareware, you mean. No, no, no. Demo files were... Um, it was a type, a file type where you could record your run in, a, oh. in the game. No, I didn't and mess with that. And then you could that. share, like, effectively a replay of your run. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just so much stuff. Then there's, I mean, the controversy around it. There's, again, one of the very first games to get an M rating. I think that was a later edition of it. Um, it was uh, tragically cited as a game played by the Columbine shooters. So I think that that is, I mean, obviously suspect. Um, that's not why they committed uh, an atrocity. Um, but it is, I don't even know if they played it. It's one of those things that, you know, kind of is like so many of these stories um, gets reexamined over time. Um, and then... More recently, getting back to video games of it all, um, I, it's the revival of the boomer shooter, that, this whole subgenre that I feel like we've been talking about only more and more, um, all goes back to Doom. I mean, just immensely influential. It is everything. It's fun. It is a favorite. It is important. Um, yeah. I, I, there, I there's only one. Games without it. There's only one hesitance that I yes. have. A year before this game came out, a game came out from the same studio. Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein. Yeah, but it's Wolfenstein not... Wolfenstein 3D specifically. But and it didn't... It didn't... It didn't it, connect. I... I it, you're right. Only I played it. <laughs> no, a I mean, lot of a people played of it. people played it. Right? Yeah, 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 but it wasn't... Like it wasn't the... Yeah. It wasn't the cultural phenomenon. Um, it, you know, I think the core gameplay is close to what Doom became, although obviously, like, Doom had quasi 3d levels and like verticality which do uh, wolfenstein didn't have it was much more primitive but it is worth mentioning that uh, uh i mean was... you got to kill hitler in wolfenstein 3d it rules yeah and then you watch the slow motion <laughs> replay of it so that was pretty good yes but I, I, think... I do agree that doom uh is is still felt very much today and and probably deserves a place on this list yeah i i, I also think the reason that doom ends up clicking in a way that few video games had or have, is it just so matches the moment? Like, yeah. that it's, it's heavy metal style just felt like it was hitting an audience that was completely underserved and was just humongous at yeah. the moment. Um, it felt so, so fresh 
which again I get is like kind of hard to see now when you play it because it looks so silly and old. Um, but at the time, I, I just remember it felt like the coolest thing on the planet. Yeah. Um, okay. What 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 do we have next? We've got a few more games, but I think we can go through some of them pretty quickly because I don't okay. know that they have a lot of contention. Uh, I think you have uh, Mist next. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's astonishing visuals, open world that emphasize story and adventure. First game I played on a CD-ROM. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this game is amazing. Probably like a like would be on my first ballot for Video Game Hall of Fame. And yet at the same time, I'm thinking about like our audience. I don't know. It's don't a colossal know. dinosaur. I don't know that you could go back it's and have a good time. It's so playing hard this. to recommend playing this game. It's like playing, I know, well, I'm going to make another dinosaur reference. It's like playing an Encarta CD. It's like, yes. just you're just like clicking from like low quality pixel to low quality pixel. Now, there are more modern versions of this. But I also think like the if you play the like updated 3D versions, you might as well be playing like the better version of this game. Like The Room, for example, which is like yeah. an amazing series of puzzle games. So like, it's just like this format could be very cool in another, I don't know, in other hands, I think. It, and it just hasn't long-term had its impact in ways that, like, it, I think people it, would have expected when it was such a phenomenon back then. If this is, if, like, Video Game Syllabus 101, Mist would be on, like, the next class. Where it's yeah. like, okay, I know that you, you, you have some patience. We're going to challenge you with some things that, on top of being important, are, like, going to really test your patience. I, play, um, I played and beat the original Mist with my brother using a notebook and looking nothing up because the internet, we didn't have the internet and we were able to beat it, but we didn't know we'd beaten it because the game <laughs> fucking ends with you reading a book and a little man inside the book being like, oh no, I'm trapped in the book and no credits roll. You're just like still in the world and I had no idea the game was over. And I was like, is there more? And we'd spent like weeks circling the island looking for more shit and there just wasn't. Uh, so I, I, I'm still bitter. <laughs> yeah, also one of those games we're reading about it now is more enjoyable than playing it because the connections between the story and the game and the lives of its creators are wild. Oh, did they have like a rivalry going on? Yeah, yeah I, I I don't remember this. I got to read about There's it. There's like That's... a number of good features out in the world that people should Google. Maybe I can throw one in the newsletter. Um, uh, Donkey next, Kong Country? Is that Next is on that the list, next? yeah, we're going to do Donkey Kong Country. Um which is an amazingly good 2D platformer, a series that remains relevant today. They've Rare has made a couple sequels recently for uh, the Wii U that were excellent. Uh, and I think the original was kind of mind-blowing because it was the first time that anyone had taken the technology that they used in Mortal Kombat, where they had like basically 3D models that they took pictures of and then imported those pictures into the game so that it just like increased the fidelity dramatically ahead of anything that had happened before just using like normal sprites. Um, so visually it is astonishing and the soundtrack is amazing and like everything like that. Um, I think it's a pretty good platforming game, uh, but I think the Mario games kind of blow it out of the water. Uh, this feels closer in the ballpark of like the Sonic games from a platforming quality, but they're good. They're good games. I just don't necessarily think they're that good. Yeah, I um, I had a friend who lived on the street who only had this video game. Well, this game and um, Kirby the Kirby's Dream Course, which we've talked about yeah. a lot, and played the living hell out of it. And was trying to hundred percent it and had missed one banana in the game. Oh. And just like every time we would go and hang out at his house, he would just be kind of like picking at it. Um, and I'm pick, yeah. I, I feel like it, he just had to have like glitched it somehow and was just yeah. like, going to find that banana. Sad. Wait, I want to say one more thing about Donkey Kong Country. If okay. you happen to be a subscriber to Nintendo Power back then, you got in the mail a VHS tape that had a trailer for Donkey Kong Country. I can't imagine how much they spent just to mail this out to people. Because like VHS tapes, I'm sure they're not super expensive, but they're not zero dollars. 
and everyone who's a subscriber to Nintendo Power got one. And honestly, it was a great ad for the thing because I was like super hyped about it. But kind of wild that that was the way to get the word out back then was to mail people a VHS tape. I had one of those for Nintendo 64 that was like, here's so everything cool. that's going to come and change your life. Um, okay, next up, this is just a gap. And I think both of our brains. Final Fantasy VI. So I'm going to tell you all a little bit about Final Fantasy VI, and I'm going to tell about a problem that I think we have with our list. Final Fantasy VI, originally labeled Final Fantasy III in its initial U.S. release. These are kind of things you always hear about it. Uh, One of the co-directors would direct Final Fantasy VII and oversee the scenario for Chrono Trigger. Um, Really heavy, heavy story stuff, including like magic war crimes. It shifts from the fantasy aesthetic to something more kind of grim steampunk uh there's a lot that i love about this game i have never played through more than a few hours of this game because the um the random battles are just they just kill me yeah this is a problem in general for us we did not play a lot of these rpgs we did not so there's like Dragon Quest, this, Secret of Mana, there are a lot of games that I think deserve consideration and probably like a spot on this list. So I was thinking we could reach out to Stephen Hilger, who is a friend of the show, hardcore RPG fan, uh, co-host of Into the Aether, and we could ask him to come up with kind of a recommendation Oh, that's a good idea. For the for the 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 list from this kind of pile of games. I think that will be a way for us to have something representative in here while also knowing like we're not going to be the best at picking that for everybody. Although there is a game on this list, that's a fair point about FF6, but there is a game on this list that I know you are incredibly fond of that was from that era and had random battles in it. Okay, I love I love Earthbound. It's literally right segue? next on the list. It I love this game. It is an RPG for kids who never got into fantasy. It is a role playing game for kids who wanted more adventure in the world that they like actually lived in. It is a role playing game for Midwest kids who want a game set like in the middle of nowhere America. It it rules. It is such a singular thing like i i guess i could find connections to something like 13 sentinels and how they both pay homage to like sci-fi but really this is writer uh shigesato itoi i think that's how his name is pronounced um partnered with uh satoru awada uh the you know brilliant nintendo uh executive and designer and they come up with this this absolutely bizarre rpg that begins in a small town and then ends up being about like the way evil and cruelty connects from like small town assholes through like malicious cops to the the, like very idea of evil and it is written with such like enthusiasm and beauty it rules i'd also add you see the dna of earthbound very clearly in games that are a huge phenomenon today specifically undertale oh yeah that's true Definitely. Um, Yeah, and I think you can see it in other things, too. I think even Stardew Valley. um, I think just a certain tone that this game goes for. um, There are, there's, we are not for want of indie developers who cite Earthbound as their favorite game. Um, So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe there is a case for it. I will say, um, uh, Itoi, do you know what else he he did? Because he didn't make a lot of video games. So he was a famous copywriter in the 80s. He co-wrote a short story collection with Haruki Murakami. He has a subsidiary of Hobonichi, the like uh, the day planner things that oh, like so okay. many people love. But sure. here's one just for you. He's the voice of the dad in Totoro. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, I was going to say, because uh, I almost exclusively listened to uh, the dub which is the guy from Wings, but that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that is very cool, though. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, just for those people that has done so many cool things in his life, and when I was younger, I was always 
grumpy and sad that I didn't get more of these games, even though Mother yeah. 3 does technically exist. Um, but no, I think it's like really great that somebody had a cool video game idea and they got the opportunity to make it. We see that like every once in a while, Humanity, which was a game I really liked earlier this year, is a similar thing where it came from a team outside of game development. And every now and then that that seems to happen, especially in Japan. And I think it always leads to really cool stuff. Totally. What else? Do you, I feel like you have you have a couple more. Yeah, we have. Uh, well, the next one's from you. It's an XCOM. Uh, the well, first how about, XCOM. How about you? How about you? I want to hear you talk about Super Metroid. And we, oh we yeah, okay. I mean Super stuff. Metroid is amazing. Uh, it was for many years my favorite game of all time. Uh, for many years, it was my favorite Metro game of all time. I think that is no longer the case, thanks to Metroid Dread. I think Dread probably trumps it, but. Um, the whole spirit of Super Metroid uh, was to design something that was more akin to an action game, whereas the original Metroid was kind of struggled to hold down the action elements. You know, you could only fire in, uh, you know, north, south, east, west directions. You couldn't do diagonals or anything like that. Um, and they really spent a lot of time to make the whole experience feel a lot more fluid in Super Metroid and also add a layer of narrative where you're, you know chasing after mother brain and then it you know that sends you on a new path and a new area and you're exploring like a ghost ship and then there's this uh little baby metroid that you found and how that ties into the story um it's spectacular and 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 just really like moving and i think a lot of the games that you see it uh impacting our games in the spirit obviously the metroidvania is like the hollow knights of the world and stuff like that um I'm, I, I again, I like the other Nintendo games that we've talked about for the most part. I don't think that it is so much a so much more enhanced when compared to those other games um, that it would deserve to be mentioned. I mean, I don't remember if the original Metroid made the cut. Um, that would be think it the did. argument, but yeah, I don't know. That I mean, it's that's tough because it's yeah. like. So many games like uh, Symphony of the Night and, as I mentioned, Hollow Knight, more modern Metroidvanias really do pull from this as the source material. I feel like we I said, think more like, so, oh, we I would think, probably throw this one in. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I would say that probably more so than the original Metroid, if only because the original Metroid didn't have a lot of the, like, uh, I don't know, world building and yeah, uh, well, mobility stuff that to me, this really make between... this genre so important. Yeah, this is in between Super Mario World and Street Fighter 2. Like, uh, if you put, make that a spectrum where Super Mario World is, the thing was already really polished. Yeah. And now they're just, like, flexing. Street Fighter 2 is, oh, they completely created a whole new thing. Right. Yeah, this this, is, this feels like they got it to a place that was a much more, enjoyable. because of that refinement, it became something almost new. Yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a real case for this. I think there's a case because... The other game, you mentioned XCOM. XCOM is responsible for, I think, popularizing turn-based strategy games. Yeah. Um, famously influenced the team that would create Fallout. And like Metroid, it is really unparalleled at that time at creating a sense of like mood and space. Um, and obviously both of these are influenced by Ridley Scott and other kind of artist at the time but they're doing i think a very different thing it, it's funny you can you can really see the alien aliens influence on something like um super metroid but then it goes in such a different direction i i mean it's really of its own thing why do you I, think I it goes in a different direction <sighs> i think that's I, pretty consistent throughout the alien aliens thing like tonally it's pretty close oh i think i think thing. I think tonally the the kind of like creepiness, but then the design of the characters or the fact that you are a you know a person in a giant super suit that can turn into a ball and like shoot yeah, sure. your rocket cannon, right? Um, yeah, it's I mean somewhere... a lot of that is just having to convert art that was on the NES that was very simplistic, but still you had to like make it readable. And then they're like, oh, we need to modernize this now, but we can't change what Samus looks like. Yeah, so. The... 
I think that I think there's more intentionality to it than that. Like it's a good thing. I think it's kind of blending um, the kind of Flash Gordon, you know, oh, yeah. matinee aesthetic, yeah, with something that is so much moodier. And I think it produces something that is wholly its own. Like all the credit to it. Um, and then XCOM, I think, is interesting because it takes the uh, the the alien thing, but then converts it into something because you were literally at your computer when you were playing this yeah that feels like almost dry and clinical um yeah like well like you're actually doing the things but it is so like removed from the actual action that you're like an overseeing like an officer pilot yeah right um i mean in the game for folks who haven't played the original xcom you start with a map like a globe of the world um, and then you have to shoot down a UFO and then you go and, you know, get face to face with the territory wherever it crash landed. And yeah, it's that that sense of scope for me always worked better than something like uh, ActRaiser. I feel like there were a lot of games at this time kind of playing with scope in that sense. Yeah. Um, and, and this was the one that really, really got it. Um, I, I don't know, like where it would fit onto this list we don't have a lot kind of similar to rpgs we do not have a clear strategy game on here sure Um, we have starcraft with real-time strategy so maybe it fits on here but it is a pretty tough game to go back and play um i think it holds up fine but yeah it's just it's like when i say tough i mean difficult like it's really difficult Mm-hmm. Um, for people who are curious about it, there's a YouTube video on the channel Ahoy. It's Retro Retro Ahoy XCOM, and it's like a film length documentary and breakdown of the game in the series that I think is like a must watch if you have even passing curiosity in it. Uh, we have one more game, uh, real quick, and it's System Shock, which came out in 1994. Uh, it's included simply because it is. In a lot of ways, the birth of the immersive shin, sim, the birth of the immersive sim genre. Uh, I hadn't played the original. I did play the remake that just came out this year. We talked about it on Besties, and um, I found it extremely difficult to play. As yeah. like, and well, not only to play, but also as extremely difficult to enjoy. Like, I found it really. Uh, so uh, just like stiff and limiting and it it I don't know it kind of felt like it lacked the open-ended creativity that I think immersive sims have later uh, sort of enjoyed and and why they are one of my favorite genres I don't consider like oh I'm gonna throw a mine on the ground or oh I'm gonna hack this turret like that's not enough for for me Uh, although I do see the DNA there uh, I just don't think it got to that point. Like I would look to a System Shock 2, I think is really where it started like reaching those or even Thief the Dark Project, I think is another really good example of like more representative uh, immersive sim games. But we did want to shout it out. Yeah, yeah. And no, I think that's right. There's a bunch of other stuff that we were not able to get to. Dragon's Quest or uh, Ultima, King's Quest, FMV games. Wing Commander, things like Civilization. We didn't talk about Madden. Um, I, that's just the reality of there's a lot. And yeah, I, I don't it's know. very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. If there is anything, I'm trying to think of anything from there that I think is not eventually represented by other parts of our list. I feel pretty good. And we will again so look at the final list and see if we, we need to tweak anything. But I, I just in looking at this, uh, the ones that jump out to me immediately are Street Fighter II, um, probably Doom, and maybe Super Metroid. Okay, so to, to review the 15, it's Super Mario World, Street Fighter II, Link to the Past, Sonic the Hedgehog, Super Mario Kart, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, Doom, Myst, Donkey Kong Country, Final Fantasy VI, Earthbound, XCOM, UFO Defense, Super Metroid, System Shock. Of that list, yes. <laughs> of that <laughs> we list, agree. <laughs> I agree. Street Fighter II, Doom, 
And yeah, I, I, I feel like Super, it feels, it feels weird to not have Super Metroid on here considering how, how I mean, it's, talk about it Metroid. is my favorite genre. It remains my favorite genre. Yeah. And it is because of that game that is my favorite. It's not because of the NES game. Like Super Metroid, and I played both yes. of them, but Super Metroid was the one that like made me realize how amazing this could be. And I'm still playing them to this very, very day. So okay, this is good. Um, dare I catch us up on everything that we've nominated so far? Let's do it quickly. Let's do okay, it. Okay, here we go. Uh, from eighty-five to eighty-nine, Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, Sim City. From ninety to ninety-four, Street Fighter Two, Doom, Super Metroid. From ninety-five to ninety-nine, Super Mario sixty-four, Pokemon Red and Blue, Final Fantasy VII, and StarCraft. From 2000 to 2004, Counter-Strike, Grand Theft Auto 3, World of Warcraft. 2005 to 2009, Resident Evil 4, Wii Sports, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Demon Souls. 10 to 14, Minecraft, Spelunky HD, Hearthstone. 15 to 20, Stardew Valley, Fortnite, Breath of the Wild, Outer Wilds. All that is left is 80 to 84. Oh, boy. I, I think we're going to go over 25 oh, uh, no. right now. And that is okay. Because, again, next time we're going to come back with our recommendations for 80 to 84 pre-decided to kick off the show. And then we're going to get into the meat of it. We're going to try to figure out this list. And this is, the, like for real, the starting point. All of these episodes are kind of research for us to figure out what we think this is there might be some shuffling maybe some things get cut maybe some things get brought in i have a feeling the vast majority of what we have here will make it um uh but it'll be fun i think to kind of finalize this i am very very much looking forward to it if you have anything that you feel just absolutely rules and is a game that everybody should play if they want to appreciate video games let us know at besties.fan just give us a heads up. Uh, you know, worst case, somebody who reads the comments sees it and they give it a try. Best case, maybe it makes a list. Uh, and that is it. Do you have any any personal recommendations before we wrap up? Um, I don't know, man. If you haven't played Link to the Past, that game fucking rules. I'm replaying it right now and it is so good. That's yeah, what, that, that we, would be my personal pick if we had to pick one. But yeah, it's spectacular. I don't even know what I would do here, you know? It's it's so hard to even think about like what <laughs> what game meant the most to me at this time because I don't know. I didn't think Gotta about be Earthbound, games. right? It meant so yeah, much. Yeah, I to guess you. it's Earthbound. Yeah, actually you're right. Little it's baby Chris easy. Plant Never in Kansas mind. City. Right. He loved it. You're right. Um uh any any other recommendations before we head out? I think we got we got everything. That's great. Um, I can't wait for everybody to go check out uh, Redbeard on the Criterion channel. Let me know what you think. It's a real blast. Uh, 30 seconds of great combat. Um, Two hours and 59 minutes of tears. Uh, Until next time, we've done it again. This has been another episode of of The Resties. I'm Christopher Thomas Plant. You are... Ross Frustick. And we're the resties. We are the rest of the best. Discuss the best of the rest. Resties. Resties.